0: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, December 26, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy. Joined by Steve Hellwagon. Hope everyone had a great Christmas yesterday, and now it's game week. Laser focused on Ohio State versus Georgia. Steve, the Buckeyes arrived in Atlanta last night. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts here, but just overall, um, what's kind of your vibe here? How are you feeling five days away from this game?
1: Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think for the longest time you've had that sour thought in your mind that, you know, man, is this a mismatch? Is this two teams that are going in opposite directions? Is this Ohio State team capable of regrouping and getting back to playing great football? And, you know, I guess – there's some skepticism. There's some optimism, you know, you just don't know what to feel or what to think. I think, um, I don't know. It's just, it's been a very rough month, I think, uh, for anybody following Ohio state football. And I think that on one hand, you need to be thankful that you're in the playoff. On the other hand, you have to be realistic that you're playing an outstanding team with Georgia in their backyard in Atlanta, Georgia, it's going to be an uphill battle. And was there anything that this team showed you against Michigan, maybe even against Maryland, that makes you believe that they've got a chance to go down there and pull off this upset? Um, you know, they're going to have to play much better football. That's just the fact of the matter. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I've, I've, I've heard or seen anything yet that really gets me uh, – so excited that uh, uh, I want to see this team play Georgia. But maybe this week something will happen or I'll change my mind. I don't know.
0: <clears throat> All right. So let's get into it. Um, so let's start with the Georgia offense and we'll get into the Georgia defense. So Georgia's offense, it's interesting. They've got obviously two unbelievably great tight ends. Probably maybe the two best in America right along with uh, Mayer from Notre Dame. Those are the top three and Georgia has two of them. They might have the two best. So they're fantastic. Stetson Bennett, we know about him. You know, 26 years old or however old he is. Um, but he's become, like, a very good college quarterback. I don't I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback. He, he might be a backup um, in the NFL. But he's, a, he's turned himself into a good college quarterback. Young offensive line, running back by committee. We've got one receiver, but he's he's banged up that's, that's pretty good. Other than that, they don't have, like, dynamite receivers. But those two tight ends are so good. Um, very balanced, Steve. Georgia – uh, 280 passing yards a game, or yeah, 280 passing, 200 rushing, so very balanced. Uh, what do you see out of this uh, Georgia offense, and, and where can Ohio State take advantage? Maybe Ohio State's D line against that young O line. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point there. Um, I think that uh, Stetson Bennett, first of all, people have you know always looked down on him as just kind of the caretaker of the offense and whatever, but I think he's much more than that now. He's become more of a playmaker, threw for over 3,400 yards and uh, had uh, 20 touchdown passes against six interceptions. And uh, he was also an outstanding runner, ran for seven touchdowns as well. I saw a play in the Tennessee game where they were at the 13-yard line and he got flushed out of the pocket. And He had the quickness to escape the blitz got outside, and then made a move on a defensive back and put the ball over the goal line at the pylon to uh, get the touchdown. So to me, Ohio State's got to get there with their four-man rush, but they've also got to play great contain outside to keep him in 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 the pocket not let him break contain. We saw when uh, quarterbacks broke contain against Ohio State with Toledo and Michigan in particular, and maybe a little bit with Maryland as well uh, because Tagovailoa was pretty good on the move too that uh, the opposing quarterbacks were able to make some plays. So uh, I didn't feel that Ohio State played very well defensively against Maryland. Certainly didn't play well defensively against Michigan. Maybe the worst game in Ohio State defense has played in over a decade. I don't know, going back a long time. And uh, so I want to see how they they counter that. I like their running backs, uh, Kenny McIntosh, He's a he's a nice player. He's a pass catcher out of the backfield. He's kind of a do it all type guy. Uh, Dejan Edwards is another one. Uh, Those guys, uh, Macintosh ten touchdowns, Edwards seven. But you hit on it. The the whole backbone of this offense, excuse me, as I try and clear my throat, is Brock Bowers the tight end and his fellow tight end Darnell Washington. And Darnell Washington, I'm just calling up here what he's listed at. It's very interesting. Darnell Washington is listed at 6'7", 270 pounds, and he runs really well. He is a projected first-round NFL draft pick, 6'7", 270. Uh, He only had 26 catches for 417 yards and two touchdowns this year. doesn't sound like much, but when he makes a play, he makes a big play. So uh, to those two guys – Bowers and Washington you know Ohio State safeties aren't that big I mean when you look at them across the board uh you know all in that six foot 195 range or 200 range whatever are they going to be able to cover and tackle these guys these uh these very explosive tight ends that uh, Georgia's got I don't know if uh, Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg can get the job done I'm not sure who can so uh That's a big, big question for me, Dave, going into this game is how Ohio State contends uh, with what you're going to see at the tight end position. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Ohio State's defense has a lot to prove after that last game that they played against Michigan, where uh, all the calls seemed to be uh, wrong and uh, the tackling wasn't good. The coverage wasn't good. There was no pass rush. So, I don't know, Dave, they, they need to play, as I keep saying, I keep coming back to it, they need to play a lot better football than they did the last time out.
0: Yeah, much, much better. And they need to play loose. Ryan Day said it himself, you can't play tight, which was basically his way of admitting that they played way too tight against Michigan, um, which I like that he came out and said that. He didn't say we played too tight against Michigan, but for him to come out and say it the way he said, like we're done playing tight, we're done playing, you know, Whatever he said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean. Basically, he said, we've got to play aggressive. we got to play loose. Absolutely. It's got to be that Clemson game plan from 2020 where they came out there and just took it to Trevor Lawrence and uh, and the Tigers. Um, all right, so we know Georgia has a great defense, obviously, but they're not as good as they were last year. They were, they, they were markedly better last year, and they're still great this year. Jalen Carter, best D tackle in college football. They've got two great safeties. They play man-press. I mean, their corners might not be, like, highly rated, but, like, still they're physical. They're going to play man-press. We'll see how Ohio State does with that. Um, Not a balanced defense, though, Steve. They're excellent against the run. They're susceptible against the pass. I find this interesting. Number one in the country, the Bulldogs are, in rushing defense. Hmm. Number 51 in passing defense. That's very interesting to me. Very interesting. Number 51 in pass defense. Go.
1: Well, you think about Ohio State's going to be without – Travion Henderson. So part of their running attack isn't going to be there. They're going to lean heavily on Mayan Williams, you would think. It's unclear whether Dallin Hayden, who was, you know, not used against Michigan for reasons that continue to remain unclear, would play or chip on him. But uh, Mayan Williams, they're going to try and establish the run with Mayan Williams. and We'll see if that works. C.J. Stroud doesn't really show that he's ever going to run the football for Ohio State. So you know, scratch that part of the offense out. Um, so kind of comes down to whether or not Ohio state can protect CJ Stroud, which as I look at the Georgia stats, they don't have anybody for the season who had more than three sacks all year. So that, you know, perhaps they'll have a, a decent enough chance to protect the passer here. And he will have time to make some plays downfield. LSU certainly did that through for over 500 yards in their game. Um, couple of the names that are going to come up, uh, Jalen Carter, a defensive lineman uh, for Georgia, he's projected as a top five pick because he's a guy that can collapse the pocket. And it's going to be a tough game, I think, for Luke Whippler at center going against uh, Jalen Carter, uh, who is just, again, as we say, one of the, the top prospects for the draft, 6'3", 300-pound defensive lineman, originally from a... Popka, Florida, and uh, they grow them big down there in a Popka, Florida. So uh, we'll see what uh, what the Buckeyes can do against Jalen Carter. He's just a a tremendous defensive lineman. And the other one is Keely Ringo, who a lot of people thought was one of the top uh, corners in the country. He may also be a first-round pick. I think Georgia's got four or five first-round picks on this team. And, uh, so to the Buckeyes probably have three or four at the most, um, Keely Ringo, uh, he gave up some plays in the LSU game, but uh, he's also got had a big interception against Alabama national championship game last year. Uh, the linebackers are pretty good. Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smale Munden Jr. Those are two names that you're going to hear called a lot, but one name you will not hear is as I'm looking at it, um, They have one linebacker, Nolan Smith, who is out for the year, who is not going to play. He's one of their better uh, defensive uh, players, and he's not going to play in this game. He was out for the year. So, uh, you know, again, uh, they gave up 500 yards passing to LSU. Ohio State's probably spent the last month trying to figure out ways to exploit the Georgia pass defense. And yet you kind of in the back of your mind keep saying you got to be able to establish the run at least – a little bit set up second and, you know, mid at the, we're not, we're not saying you got to get eight yards on first down, but you know, if you're getting stuff for no gain and and, and one yard on first down and now it's second nine and, and now they're coming downhill at you uh, bringing blitzes and different things like that, it's going to make life very uncomfortable probably for uh, CJ Stroud. So we'll uh, we'll see how the Buckeyes are able to attack it. I think you got to be optimistic about, you know, if, if LSU could score 30 points against this team, uh, you know, we'll see if Ohio State can, uh, can get into the 30s. And, you know, could end up being a shootout. You never know.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is a Georgia team that's excellent. Give them all the respect. But, again, they're not as good as they were last year in my estimation. And they struggled against Kent State. They struggled against a bad Missouri team. Not that Ohio State didn't have its share of, of uh, hiccups along the way, including the giant egg they laid against Michigan. I mean, Georgia hasn't lost a game. Ohio State got smoked by their rival. Um, but again, I mean, people are acting like Steve, like this is like a, maybe Ohio State has like a 15% chance of winning this game or something. Like they're this huge underdog. I mean, you look at it, first of all, they're a seven point dog. But you look at the ESPN Football Power Index, they give the Buckeyes a 42% chance of winning this game um the unbiased computers that sounds about right to me in fact I might even I give it it feels like almost like a coin flip game to me Ohio State is so dangerous when they are doubted when they're an underdog it's so rare and maybe Georgia's going to be taking them a little light I keep saying this where do you where are you at like what if you had to put a percentage chance on it what percentage chance do you give the Buckeyes a win in this game
1: Mm, 30 30 40 maybe yeah in that range We just don't know the mental makeup of this Ohio State team. And and what we do know really does kind of concern us. Um, They made mistakes against Michigan that were unforced, uh, you know, personal foul penalty, pre-snap penalties, different things like that. In their own stadium, they did this. Is this a mentally tough, mentally strong team? We don't know that. They beat up on a lot of bad teams this year, Dave, and I think that some of that ESPN computerized stuff could be uh, a result of some of the lopsided scores like Indiana, what was it, 56 to 14 or something or whatever the score was. I mean, they beat up on a lot of bad teams. They had game control. That's great. Um, didn't trail a lot, you know, in the course of the season. So all of those things are good. Provided you can get out to a quick start, provided you can establish the run, provided you don't beat yourself, you know, with penalties and negative plays and different things like that. So, um, you know, I want to know the mental toughness of this team. We're going to find out. Either they are or they aren't. Everything they talked about, competitive stamina, all this stuff, the Michigan game really took a big chunk out of all that bravado that they've displayed Oh, they made us mad. They beat us last year. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, you know, it's put up or shut up time now. I mean, there is no tomorrow. If you don't win this game, it's over. And it's a long off season after that. A bunch of guys will be going to the NFL. and A bunch of guys will be considering their their future. And I just want to see a cohesive, you know, 85-man unit, 100-man unit, however many people are on this trip, all of them, I presume. I want to see a cohesive unit. That is dominant, as dominant as they can be against a great opponent in all three phases of the game. That's what I want to see. That's what I would expect to see in a situation like this. And I guess until I see it, I am just a little skeptical about it. So um, you know, I, I don't wanna I don't want to overreact to the Michigan game, but
0: But it was more than that, though, is your point. I think. I mean yeah. the previous week they struggled against Maryland. Okay. Yes. Well, Penn State was a coin flip game late until JT took it over. Okay, They struggled against Notre Dame, you know, and and eventually they won that game. But, you know, and by the way, speaking of Georgia's tight ends, people will say, well, Ohio State did well against Michael Mayer. True, but there was only one Michael Mayer. There wasn't two. And Notre Dame had a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball. And, again, Stetson Bennett, like we were saying, he might not be like Peyton Manning, but he's turned into a very good college quarterback. He can throw the ball. He's a lot better than Notre Dame's quarterbacks were this year so but you're right it wasn't just the michigan game there were signs ominous signs leading up to the game that people myself included overlooked oh they were looking ahead to michigan that's why they didn't play well against maryland oh days ryan Day saving stuff for michigan that's when cj is going to finally run none of it happened I, think, I understand i understand your skepticism i get it
1: i mean is jim Knowles going to have a plan on defense that plan against michigan uh, I don't know. You can lay it at the feet of the players for not executing it. How about not putting together a plan that your players can't execute? And then adjust. Yeah. And then adjust. adjust. Yeah. And then on the other side, the play calling, you know, when you get first down in the red zone, you need to put the ball in the end zone and they didn't do that against, you know, Michigan. They had the, I've repeated it, the one at the 40 and the one at the 15, both times, they didn't even didn't even make an effort to score a touchdown either time. So, um, I don't know. When you, when you get these opportunities against Georgia, you better cash them in because field goals aren't going to beat this team. So, um, you know, unless no Ruggles hits one with uh, no time remaining on the clock, then that would be a, a fun way to beat this uh, Georgia team. It, hey, a one-point win, anything is good anything. enough.
0: So. I was yeah. watching the NFL yesterday, and they had that beautiful SoFi Stadium in uh, L.A., and I wanted to be like, "Oh, are we going to be there? we we'll rolling up is there, I tell you what, we're, we're going to be down and we're going to see a pretty nice one that we've never seen. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta is, I heard, is fantastic. I've seen that on TV, but I'm, the one in LA, SoFi, looks unbelievable. Like the architecture on that, look, like, that might be the nicest football stadium I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, other than Ohio Stadium, of course. Um. All right. So, how frustrated is Ryan Day about nil? I want to ask you about this because you could just read between the lines. He, I asked him the question, and I, I, I respect his answer at, at the press conference last week. How many guys do you think you lost out on that you would have landed um, if not for NIL? And you can tell he kind of wanted to answer the question, but and you could read between the lines how he felt, I think, Steve. Curious to get your perspective on that. But to his credit, that was not the day, even though I think the question needed to be asked, that was not the day for him to talk about the guys he didn't land. That was time for him to celebrate the guys he did. But, Steve, from what you're hearing, reading between the lines of what he said, How frustrated do you think Ryan Day is about this NIL situation as it pertains to recruiting?
1: I think he's tremendously frustrated. Um, I think we had a note about this, I think in the boarding house last week, just that Ohio state has got some mechanisms in place that are pretty effective, but the issue is when you get into the, the deep end of the talent pool and the price tag goes up and up and up, um, is Ohio state going to be able to compete as of right now, they're struggling to compete at that level. So I guess, um, again, they don't tell us enough about what's really going on so that we could actually form an intelligent uh, thought about this. Uh, I think there's a lot of this that they don't want people to know about because, On one hand, I don't think anybody fully understands what the rules are or what the rules are going to be, and you don't want to be accused in hindsight of doing something that you weren't supposed to do. And, you know, the recruits themselves, uh, Logan Keenholtz made the comment, I could have made more in NIL had I gone to Washington than if I'd come to Ohio State. I mean, that kind of tells you, as you kind of color in around the lines of what what, what is this whole thing all about? It sounds like that there are mechanisms in place, either through the assistant coaches, the head coach, or third parties, which are not supposed to be part of the recruiting process, that are conveying to prospects exactly how much money that they can make going to each school, which is not, it's not how it's supposed to be. So the transfer portal for the good players has become uh, by them, you know, if you want, buy by a player, and um, you know, I guess that's that's the state of the world that we're living in twenty twenty two. I mean, I could go on this diatribe forever, but it's the colleges, the athletic directors, the university presidents, and the conference commissioners that allowed this to happen. So, you know, they're the ones who are at fault, not the NCAA. The NCAA works for them; they don't work for the NCAA. So, um, it's a crazy, complicated issue uh competing against big 10 schools no problem you can have anybody you want against michigan michigan state ohio state's got the resources that they need to get that done but going against auburn and oregon it seems got the checkbook out at the 11th hour and bought everybody under the sun um i don't know it's not happening right now
0: it's not good ohio state's got a you know they can't go another cycle and just be like, oh, we're going to play by different rules than, you know, all of the South. And as you mentioned, Oregon and other schools, USC, they, you know, if the NCAA is not going to do anything, Ohio state needs to play by, um, the same rules that the other schools are playing by. All right. Great stuff out of Steve Hellwagon. Um, appreciate it, Steve. I will see you down in hot Thank you yep. to all of the listeners and viewers and commenters. Appreciate you guys very much. Hope everyone had a great Christmas, great holiday. And, uh, Again, next time we'll see you, we'll be down in Atlanta. Thanks again to Steve. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day.